Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Red Men Weekly Podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Yes, this is the show where we bring you some of the best clips from our amazing Red Men Plus content from the previous week. I say it every single time, just to let you guys know the clips you're about to hear. The full shows are available both in video and in podcast form over at redmenplus.com. You can watch them on your screens. You can download them into your native podcast apps, whether that be Apple or Podcast Addict or whatever, and you can get them there as well. If you're a Spotify user and you absolutely just love Spotify, if you go over to there and search for Red Men Plus Podcast, you can sign up on there as well. They will charge you on there. You won't be signing up through us. It's a separate thing. But yeah, if you just love Spotify, you can get audio versions as well. You can sign up just through there. You won't get the videos and you won't get access to the website, but you still get the great content in audio form. Right then, let's make a start. The first show of the week was the biased football podcast. Yeah, the world is going mad in terms of football transfers predominantly down to the, of the Saudi Pro League. So yeah, it was me, Paul and Dan Club having a big old chat about Kylian Mbappe. Fabrizio oh. Romano tweeted. Um, he does that a lot. A lot. <laughs> He's a big fan. I like him. The old tweet. <laughs> Monday morning. X. Do you mean X? Uh, yeah, yeah. X. Uh-huh. Well, thing is, it says X, but it also says tweet next to it, uh-huh. and then it says new to Twitter on the right hand side because we're not logged in on this page. Um, so yes, um, he tweeted exclusive Al Halal have submitted formal bid to Paris Saint-Germain in order to open talks for Kylian Mbappe. Understand it's worth 300 million euros, a record fee, no talks on the player side. PSG remain convinced that Mbappe already agreed terms with Madrid with contract already. Now, we've spent quite a lot of time in the last few weeks when we're doing the Saudi Watch section about how they're they are the perfect example of how transfers are really done ass about tit by how you perceive them to be. Whereas this is this is how we transfers this is foot this is the football manager approach to transfers, sort of. Can I ask a question, Steve? Hi. Why the fuck are they paying three hundred million euros for Kylian Mbappe? Because he's the best player in the world. And if you're gonna sport wash, this is the, like we've seen Aging players go to, to end their careers and cash in, mm-hmm. and that's what everyone kind of sees Cristiano Ronaldo doing. Everyone sees mm-hmm. Kareem Benzema doing that, you know, even you know, on a much lower level, like with Jordan Anderson doing the same thing. He's, he's going to end his career by getting weighed in with money, mm-hmm. and then you've seen average to you know decent level players like your Ruben Neves's and your I know you got to watch Alan Saint Maximans like good players, but they're not like super they're not superstars, are they? They're just they're just good footballers. For them to go and get the best player, I think in the world at the moment. Get him to Saudi Arabia, and he's not aging. You know, if any, he's he's in his prime. Mm-hmm. He is 
an absolute he's the superstar of superstars that's why they're doing it and that's probably worth to the PIF and, and, and to Saudi Arabia that's worth 300 million even if it is only for you know, just talk that it could be for a year well this it's, is but he's probably worth it he, he probably draws 300 million pounds worth of eyes on your league because he's, he's fucking killing Mbappe well let me just do the follow up tweet because this comes from James Benj which I'm less I'm more sceptical of if I'm honest as oh, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Al Halal offering 300 million transfer fee to PSG in addition to this they're prepared to offer Mbappe a salary package of 700 million euros over one year that helps as well yeah that, that'll change your mind won't it mm-hmm. after which you'll be free to depart for Real Madrid should he so wish so effectively they're paying a billion pounds mm-hmm. for the for one season of Kylian Mbappe in the Saudi Pro League yeah. is what they're doing but my question you haven't answered the question I don't know I don't suppose you have the answer but he's got one year left on his contract yeah. three days ago the latest was they're prepared they're going to be prepared to accept less than 180 million euros they paid for him because they've got no choice now they'll either let him rot or, the, or, the, or they're going to sell him that's what's good that was going to happen so I asked the question, Dan. Maybe, you, maybe you've got no, an answer. I have got the answer. I have got an answer. Apologies. Is that well? They're just blowing Real Madrid out the water because he just go to Real Madrid. They want him in their league. Okay. They're gonna. Mm. Go, they, they want him there. He's the, he, money's no object. Money's nothing. It, it, when you're that rich, it's nothing. Who cares? It's just whatever. It's couch money, isn't it? So they, that's all they're doing. They're gonna. Go, they want Kylian Mbappe in their league. Get eyes on their league for the entire season. Mm. If he goes to Real Madrid afterwards, they're not bothered. Yeah. They get a year of him and. If if it was if I say this like madly but like if it was a normal fee of 150 million pound which in itself is a mad thing to say he'd just go to Real Madrid now he can go there PSG are going well why would we accept Real Madrid's offer when the, if Real Madrid want you they can pay the 300 million mm. it sorts everybody out PSG are desperate for him to go I think that's obvious because they know he's going to Real Madrid he's he's nodded and winked and they're losing the again the best player in the world in my opinion for not in a year's time. They, they obviously, of course, want to get cash. They want to cash in. They'll win their league pretty much anyway. So it's a, it's irrelevant. Obviously, they want the Champions League, but they haven't really been close to that for a couple of years now. Obviously, since they got to the final. So I think it, it actually sorts everybody out. Everybody wins here. Kylian Mbappe goes and gets absolutely stupid, uh, stupid money for a year where he puts no strain on himself, really. Then he gets his move to Real Madrid. PSG get the money they want. The Saudis get the best player on the planet into their sports washing enterprise. Mm. Who, who loses? Who, who, I'll tell you who loses is like the valuation of football is, is just bananas. But like, I can see every single person going, you know what? For a year, we're, we're, we're signed with this because, like I say, it's, it's, I know it's mad, but like, it's a, they don't care what's a billion pounds. Well, I spoke they just don't care. Last week about like how bidding for Diaz represents sea change. I think that's they've I think everything's gone perfectly for them in terms of bidding for these end of their career type stars who are going to raise the profile and it feels like they've gone this has gone better than we could have anticipated. Let's start bidding for some the next tier, mm-hmm. which is prime age but fringe players so we've already bought free aging fringe players now we're going to buy prime age fringe players and see how you get on but this Dan is just I mean this yeah this is this is a it's a publicity stunt effectively yeah. no it is and it's a major one at that as well it's uh, it's unprecedented really the sort of figures we are talking about of course and Steve's right in the point it is them trying to sort of get more eyes in their league I'm actually surprised I mean there's a lot of different matters at play here but obviously PSG are owned by Qatar and this is Saudi Arabia I was actually surprised to even entertain that sort of thing because yeah. we know what the relationship's like between those two nations over there so that's one element of it and also the the, the, the point about it only staying for a year the very much 
whether they have to pay a huge fee to get him out of there is another question. I'm not sure they'd be entirely willing to do that. And also, I think Mbappe only gets his tax-free money if he stays for two years. You have to work there for two years. Before. I'm sure they'll be sold. I don't think that's going to matter to him. No, of course not. But yeah, it's, it, listen, it's a huge, huge play from Saudi Arabia. It's absolutely it's the biggest play. It's the big, it felt as though we were sort of worryingly on the cusp of maybe a play for Salah because you mentioned the Diaz one there and that does feel like sort of one or two steps down from them going, okay, let's push the button on Salah now. If this happens, like it looks like it could do, what's to stop them doing anything else? You know, this my, is it. Nothing, I, nothing out of limits. My worry, and you mentioned Mo Salah there, is that PSG might come in for him. That was I, our I, thoughts, I, morning. That's my That's my worry on this, is that they're going to have £300 million burning in their back pocket and, and neither of a forward you can get. Now, I don't think Liverpool would sell at this stage, and I'm not completely sure Mohamed Salah would, would go now. But I, I, I think I wouldn't be. You wouldn't be shocked if, if they get that money in their bank account if, if they come knock off mm. of Mohamed Salah. He's by all accounts, um, he'd have been offered. Of course, he will have every player on the planet will have taken the phone call of, of someone from Saudi Arabia just yeah. checking their incest. So I, I understand it, but like that, that's what's going to happen here. This, this is what happened, and funny enough, it was PSG who started this last time. We kind of with the Neymar deal mm. is that they transformed football. That Neymar deal leads to Liverpool getting 150 million pounds for Coutinho and, yep. and the knock-on effect. This is the same thing, just grander. And for, if it is this one-year deal, because I would be shocked if Mbappe went and signed a three-four-year contract there. Mm-hmm. But if he knows he's going to Real Madrid anyway, and everyone's happy, and it's with just that. a difference between him sat on PSG's bench for a year, wasting his ta- totally wasting his talents. Yeah, mm. and, and and also like just just the messiness of it. He doesn't need that. He's, he's Mbappe, he, he's a brand now, isn't he? He's like you know all his deals and stuff. Like he doesn't, he, he doesn't need the hassle of a team who doesn't want him and arguing with the with the with the board and they're trying to get rid of it. It, it doesn't sit well. He can go there, play here, get, go to, and get his get his dream move. What I it. think it does on the Salah thing is I, I hadn't considered the potential knock on impact because you know that PSG, you're right, will want something. Mm. I mean, the thing is, they've still got Neymar. So it's not like the, but they've lost Messi and Mbappe. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a there's a status. That, you well, know, it depends what they're looking to do moving forward. Because what they discovered last year is they actually need a squad. If they actually want to be able to play in the Champions League, they actually need a handful of other, of, of other good players. But underneath that first veneer of, of quality, but I think what it does in terms of the Salah stuff is it moves it on for next year. So if you've got Mbappe for a year, you're effectively saying the best player in the world can come and play in this league, and this is the money he's going to earn to do it. That's our that's our crown jewel in, in in this enterprise. And Mbappe's going to go. Okay, well, I'll just I'll, I'll do I'll do it as a stopgap, waiting for Real Madrid to come to, to, to take me. But next summer, it's like, well, he's gone. How do we fill that? Mm. And that's when you turn around to Salad and go, right, you're now here's the crown jewel. You, you we'll give you the crown and everything. You know, here's a crown and a scepter. Yeah. You're now the king of the Saudi Pro League. Um, here's that. But though, that that amount of money is just. Are you right? It it, it is. It's max of. PSG, Neymar stuff. It's it's paying release clauses when you're not meant to. It's blowing everyone else out the water. It's totally it's 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 totally fucking the ecosystem of the uh, of the football transfer market. I mean, what we've not touched upon is because it's Liverpool related more. I think this closes the door on us getting any chance of getting too many because the the only remaining chance that Liverpool were going to get in was Real Madrid were needing desperately yeah. to raise cash. All of a sudden, it's back to last summer. Where you keep them because you don't need the money because you can't raise the money you're going to raise from that's not going to get you anyone worth okay, worth d- having. At this time, though, it's worth saying we're recording this. If things can change quickly, and we know that. But like, by all accounts, like for Richard, like there's nothing from Mbappe. Yeah, mm-hmm. you might you might just want to go there. You might just say, listen, I want to go to Madrid. 
So I either stay here on your bench and you're paying me to not play, or you tell me to run with it. He holds yeah. like in that he, he he chooses where he goes. So that is there too. But yeah, I mean, you, you would think, and I, I might be wrong, but you would guess that there's been you wouldn't just would you? Nah, I'm thinking, would you just bid? Without having a, even approached his agents or they haven't but, done that previously. But, but, have they, no, usually they? there's a nod in the wink that they want yeah. him. But as a PR stunt, you might just go, you know what, fuck it, let's just throw the bid in and cause it's absolute chaos. Yeah, balls and, and, on and, the table and, time. Yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then just see what, see how the, how the, how yeah. the everything falls. It's, it's staggering, really. This, this, it's opportunism, isn't it? You know, it, it's going. Can we? I think, I think there's been a lot of that. It's like try for him. Go and see what happens. Mm. Just see, just have an experiment and see what that kind of, what that kind of thing looks like. It's very rare that any of us kind of get that that situation in life where you, you get a free hit to go and experiment with a bunch of bunch of stuff and see what sticks. Yeah, and they've got that's the, that's the why you have money when you've got that kind of money you can afford to fail quickly and crack and crack on with it. You know that if that fails, whatever. It's actually also it's kind of shown their might. It's said with a couple of those recent things where it's um and over over transfer fees and we've seen a couple of deals break down in the last few weeks um not necessarily all from PIF clubs obviously the um the Etifax stuff with, with with Henderson kind of got dragged probably dragged the whole enterprise through the mud a little bit for it but if it's saying we've got this pot of money here just to give you a demonstration of our power it's like it's like blowing up Alderaan with the uh, with the Death Star, isn't it? Like I mean, it's not really the plan. We're just going to show the world, the sort of galaxy, what weird is we can t- potentially mm. be doing. Um, I don't think you can. I don't think the PAF teams can lose even just by having this be out. No, not world. at all. Like you said, that they've probably seen the situation. And obviously, he didn't go to Japan, did he? With the PSGs training back in Paris, and he's probably seen that and go, "Yeah, let's just let's just show the world what we're all about." Like you say, I think you mentioned earlier that no one really loses in this. I, I actually think football loses a little bit in all of this yeah, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. because he is the best player in the world, as you rightly say, and he's going to go and play in what will remain for this season necessarily, maybe not moving forward, but will remain a pretty poor standard of football. Right then, next up, it is Redmen Reacts. Yeah, Jordan Henderson himself announced the news on his social media. He's leaving Liverpool to go and play in the Saudi Pro League as well. And we had our very own Mr. Chris Payjack joined by Mr. Dan Club to react to that very news. Where does it leave us right now <laughs> in terms of the midfield? Well, it leaves us, uh, oh God, in a little bit of a, a sticky situation, to be honest with you, because we all, we all accounted for the initial departures in terms of the Milner, Oxley Chamberlain, Naby Evans, you know, Arpamello, if it's even worth mentioning. We all sort of account, I know, Ooh. we all sort of accounted for that and could sort of plan our route ahead and we sat here two, three weeks ago, whatever it was now, with McAllister and Sobbers like already through the door. The lavier stuff was sort of bubbling under. We could see the scent. We could see where we were heading. Like people were starting to already sort of do the squad depth charts and it was looking quite promising. Now all of a sudden you lose two more senior midfielders from those you thought you were going to have for the season and it changes the landscape entirely. It changes what you want to do moving forwards. It changes the options that you thought you had. It changes everything about it. So, I think we've got to be really smart, and I've spoken about this a few times. Liverpool, a proactive Liverpool in the transfer market, generally speaking, not always, are quite a good Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Like we get things right, and I know it's different this time because Julian Ward's obviously left his post, and York Schmadke's come in. York Schmadke, by the way, has come into an absolute like, what's going on around him? You must be thinking, this is always like this. It's chaos. Like, I know he spoke this week, actually, just on a side topic again, about. Um, his deal and he says it's an annual deal which means it'll run to I think it's next May but they've got an agreement in place whereby they'll speak in August and sort of see if they want to move on 
ahead of that. I wonder if that conversation is going to I go I don't down. think he's going to have any time in August. Maybe not. He might not be even just slip a 30 minute meeting in, to yeah, be honest with you. He could be a busy old man, yeah. So he might have to take that out the calendar. But yeah, I think, listen, like I say, it changes entirely our route moving forwards. Um, it scuppers all our plans, all those best, best laid plans are just done now. Um, I don't know if we need a Henderson replacement as such. Because we already had sort of made peace with the fact that he's wrong. Do we need a Milner replacement, Dan? Yeah, but I don't think that I don't think that exists. I don't think that person exists, quite frankly. In terms of leadership, perhaps, but not in terms of football. I don't know. I don't know where you find the replacement for James Milner that stroke Jordan Henderson. Those two were tailor made for the roles they did play and were going to play. In my opinion, that sort of jack of all trades can drop into a game, see it out, sort of thing. That type of footballer. You, you can't buy that. The mad thing is, and I keep coming back, it's all circumstantial, of course, and it's all about timing. But if the Fabinho come in bid first, Henderson wouldn't be leaving the football club. No. That is the mad thing, because Fabinho, and it would have just instantly added 900 minutes to Jordan, and he'd have been happy heading into the Euros. That's the weird thing. And again, if someone had bid three months ago for Jordan Henderson and, and maybe for Fabinho you have more time Milner might not have left which is the mad thing yeah. and, and, and like I'm not saying that these are the answers because you want to improve and you can improve on Jordan Henderson and you can improve on Fabinho it's can you improve when you're being reactive mm. and I think that's where you were sort of leading to then rather than proactive planning ahead three four months these are the guys that we want this is going to happen they're going to go mm. now you are you've been planning all six months maybe more of who guys are for the eights you've been thinking Fabinho's going to be at the base and Henderson's going to cover wherever needs covering that's difficult to plan for is what you're saying yeah 100% it is like I say that's when your plans get thrown into disarray when something like this happens completely unexpected two Saudi clubs I mean the Saudi situation has changed the football transfer landscape entirely let alone just for Liverpool so but yeah, I think it is difficult. But one thing we do have in our favour amongst all of this is the fact that for about 12 months, maybe more, we've known we need a midfield rebuild. It's been coming for some time now, obviously, due to many stuff last summer, then there's the Bellingham plan. Well, the fact that Lavia was on the radar, Dan, exactly. suggests that they knew that the Fino was coming to the end. Yeah, well, exactly. And I think, like I say, the one thing we have going forward is that we have a pretty sort of substantial list of potential midfield targets. So now that we suddenly need two more, per se, one more possibly, depending on who it is, it shouldn't be too difficult for us to... The groundwork should be done on a lot of these players. Ryan Gravenberch has been mentioned, for example. We've known about Ryan Gravenberch for a long time now. Before we signed for Bayern Munich, yes. we liked him a lot. We wanted him. So the background, the work, possibly even as far as the agent contacts of some of these players, will be done. That groundwork will be there. We can sort of pull that draw out of the file and go, oh, yeah, we looked at this lad eight months ago. We really like him because of X, Y, Z. Suddenly... Update his file, please. Yeah, but suddenly <laughs> the mould that he didn't fit then, which is why we didn't go and do it, or it's because we were waiting for Bellingham, Stroke, too many. Suddenly that isn't a situation anymore because they've got their clubs. Suddenly the mould that he now does fit because, you know, Henderson's left, Fabinho could leave whatever way, shape or form. Suddenly that makes more sense yeah. and you go and pull the trigger on that. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, 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 I still see this as an opportunity. It's one that I probably wouldn't have chosen to follow uh, two weeks ago, but I do still believe Liverpool can bet better out of losing Fabinho and, and losing Jordan Henderson. And, you know, the leadership is going to be difficult when you've lost James Milner. Of course it is, but there are leaders chucked through this squad. There are tons of them. So let's talk about it. Um, if the players voted Virgil van Dijk as the vice captain, it kind of stands to reason that Virgil van Dijk will be the captain. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and obviously captains um, on Wednesday night. He captained the first half, led the team out there. And it's an interesting one. I, I've i been sort of changing my mind daily on this, to be honest with you, because <clears throat> the captaincy side of things, I wanted Jordan Henderson to continue as Liverpool captain. Make no no two bones about that. I did. I thought he was the right man to sort of, alongside Klopp, etc., to oversee this huge rebuild, this new dawn of Liverpool, if you like, for at least another season. Um so when he left on the back of James Milner leaving, I was a bit like, oh, that stings. Like, I didn't like that. I didn't want that to be the case. But now, given, you know, you've seen how the players have reacted to Virgil van Dijk with the captaincy in midweek, Sobber's line and stuff like that, sort of really complimenting yeah. him and things. So We had the little C. Exactly, yeah. And he, that is silly kinds. stuff. But that sort of stuff makes you think, okay, well, they clearly have every faith in him. And I wonder... And it only really dawned on me, I think, of yesterday. I wonder, now Virgil van Dijk, rightly or wrongly, is coming for some criticism in his own performances last season. And they probably were below par, given how high his par was. I wonder if a captaincy might take him up a couple of levels again. Might get the best out of him. And I don't, it's clearly not the long-term solution because he's, you know, into his 30s himself. You have to sort of already have one eye on the future with this. Now, whether that's Andy Robertson or whether that's Trent, for me, it's probably Trent. Yeah, I think you can sort of share the responsibility between Robbo and Virgil, captain of Scotland, captain of Holland, of course, perfect. You can share the responsibility between those two, all whilst blooding a Trent, possibly a Canate. He's been speaking recently about upping his own game and getting more involved. Well, this is what all players have to do yeah, at some point during their career. If you've got any ambitions to become a captain or a leader of men in a dressing room, there is a time and a place where you have to take... There is a time... Trent's the really interesting one for me. Let's talk about the vice captaincy then. Um, I think there's four options. There's Right now, there's Robbo, there's Trent, there's Salah and there's Alisson. Mm-hmm. I would have down as the four yeah. options for, for potential captains. There is a point where Trent Alexander-Arnold, 19-year-old's a young kid on the block. 21-year-old, 22 years old, he's pretty much won everything you can win. At 24 years old, his role's changed. He's becoming a midfielder. The team are naturally looking to him as a leader in terms of with the ball. Mm-hmm. They want the woos, but we've spoken about this over, over the course of the last sort of 12 weeks, really, how everyone looks towards Trent Alexander-Arnold and passes the ball to him when he's in the middle of the park. There is a point where you naturally have to up that and become a leader yourself. This could be the perfect moment for Trent to become a vice-captain, have a couple of years, maybe three, four years under Virgil van Dijk, take it on when you're of an age good enough. Or it could be one where Virgil takes it for a year or two and Trent becomes the captain while Virgil's still at the football club. Mm. We've seen that happen at times during... Uh, yeah, you know, Sammy Appier. Sammy Appier and, and Gerard. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The other one is Salah. Doesn't strike me as a captain and too similar a type of captain to Virgil for me. Mm. Robbo would be the, if Trent wasn't in the wings, Robbo's the character to Virgil's Gerard. And I feel like that might be the best short-term solution. And Alisson sees the old pitch and he's going to be here and he's the mm. best in the world. <laughs> like... Which one are you sort of going with? Uh, I'm siding with Virgil as your captain and Robbo as his vice all day long. Um, personally, I, I've got something objectively against attackers being captains okay. full stop. I'm fine with that, apart from Alan Shearer. But Generally I, I, speaking. I, I think it was a terrible captaincy, but he had to be with Newcastle. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and there's always <laughs> the exception that goes against the rule, of course. But yeah, I, listen, Salah, what, he's captain of Egypt, and that's the, the thing always, but he's the best player for Egypt by a country mile, which probably explains some of that. Um, and he leads by example, and he continues to lead by example. What you have to do with Salah, literally, Egypt's country mile. Yeah, 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 nice. You have to, you have to be careful with these situations. I always think because I've been involved in them myself in sport. When you're naming captains or vice captains after someone leaves or whatever it is, you have to be really careful because you don't upset anyone. 
basically. So what you've got to do with your Allisons and your sellers this world is make sure they are fully well aware of the situation. So you're going ahead with so-and-so as captain, but they are you're in the leadership group. massively part of the leadership group. And the same could be said for Trent, because Trent could be thinking himself, oh, half a chance here. Henderson's gone. I could be vice here comfortably. I could even be captain, maybe not just yet, but there will be in the back of his mind he'd be thinking that, because why not? Why wouldn't you? You'd be disappointed if he wasn't. So you've got to, with all five of them, you've got to make sure they're fully aware of the plan and they are well, well immersed in the leadership group. And Liverpool made a big thing about the leadership group yep. since Klopp's been at the club. So I think that... He's always player voted as well. But that's, that's massively important. And I don't see a reason why by the players wouldn't vote for these names that we're talking about. They feel like the most sensical names to me. They've been the ones who've either been in it anyway or been around it. And I think you make the point, Alisson, he'll lead by example. He sees the whole pitch. He's a very calm, cool and collected guy, generally speaking. I think having different types of leaders is really, really important. And I think Trent, what Trent brings to the party, as well as his ridiculous ability, is the fact that he's a little bit You know what I mean? It makes perfect sense. So, yeah, I think it's a good group. Cheers to Dan and cheers to Chris. Yeah, be honest now, going to let you guys know it's a very heavy Dan club show. This Dan has been working as hard as ever. I'm sure you'd be absolutely delighted to hear from Dan as much as you're going to do. Because up next, it is Dan Club with Transfer Insight with Jacob Tanswell. Jacob spent last year covering Southampton for the Athletics. So he has seen plenty, plenty, plenty of Romeo Lavia being linked with Liverpool Football Club, of course. So yeah, here is Dan chatting with Jacob. I want to talk about him as a player now a little bit more. You mentioned sort of how impressive he was in the early days just there. But going further back than that, obviously, you know, came through the Anderlecht Academy, went to Man City and clearly impressed there before moving on as well. Um, from a piece for The Athletic, you spoke to Gene Kinderman, is that right, from the Anderlecht Academy. Now, I suppose you can sort of elaborate on his development, if you like, and just how much did he wax lyrical about Lavi and what he was like as a youngster and stuff? essentially Gene said that he could not read Romeo Lavia as, as a character he said he never knew what he was thinking but he was, a, he was a very quiet character but he could speak multiple languages he was one of the most popular in the dressing room and growth coming through the age groups at Anderlecht and what what he said was that you know he, he thought he Typically, he would sign that contract when he turns to 17 or turns to 18. Like everyone should, you know, and Alex, a brilliant academy, brilliant club, he'd have a pathway. So he actually invited Roberto Martinez to talk to Lavia to convince him to sign for for, for Andelect. And that even did it do the trick because I think Lavia is a, is a guy in a hurry. He saw Pep Guardiola liked him playing in the Kevin De Bruyne Cup a few years back before that. Vincent Company and Craig Bellamy talked to Pep Guardiola and said, listen, this guy's a serious player. You have to sign him. And he went over just before COVID. And I think Gene Kindermans and a lot of Anderlecht uh, staff thought he'd struggle. But I think he, he loves he loves the challenge and he loves living on his own as well. He's very, he's very single-minded and he managed to thrive there. And when he didn't get game time at Man City, he thought, okay, what's the next step? And I think that's what he's thinking now as well. So, yeah, that story about Pep Guardiola going over to see him when he was invited by De Bruyne uh, to see him in a tournament. Um, yeah, it's a sliding doors moment, I guess. Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah, and it's fascinating that... The people we're talking about, like they're they're genuine bona fide sort of names mm. in the game, and they're waxing lyrical, talking so admirably about this player. There's clearly a serious talent there, and um, obviously schooled at Man City thereafter. In terms of his playing style, can you tell? Mm. Like, is that the type of player he is? Obviously, Pep Guardiola's very ball playing, you know, keep possession orientated. You mentioned earlier that he. Style didn't really suit what Southampton were about. <laughs> Can you tell that Lavia is a sort of a level above that in many ways? 
Yeah, Southampton couldn't keep hold of the ball, and it, it was just a ping pong in midfield. Where if you, you know, Anderlecht and Man City, he was essentially cut in the character of, of Rodri, really. And it's just a shame that Rodri was standing in his way because any other club, he'd probably be their number six right now. Um, it's interesting because in the Belgian national youth national teams, they sometimes use him as a centre back and as a number eight. They thought obviously his athleticism, he had good uh, pace, but I think. Guardiola and and especially Southampton as well see him as that number six in a in a four three three someone who could get the ball for the goalkeeper turn and play forward and I said a few weeks back before the interest of Saudi Arabia in Fabinho that I thought he'd he'd probably take his position and the fact that obviously Fabinho might be leaving now always leaving um, that's probably where Jurgen Klopp or Arteta or any of those top six clubs will, will see him in that number six role. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what I certainly have shoehorned him, earmarked him into that six. And on just on that, because I wanted to ask then, he's clearly very young still. He's 19. You know, he's had one good season in terms of his own personal performances behind him in the Premier League. Do you think he's ready to sort of step into those boots? Because as much as Fabinho was miles off it last season, you know, we're not too far removed from having a conversation about him being one of the best in that position in the world. So I think personally, I kind of thought Lavia comes in when Fabinho wasn't going anywhere and sort of learns, continues to develop, acts as a bit of an understudy. Now Fabinho goes. Do you think Lavia is ready to come in and be the frontline choice in that role? I do. I don't want to sell him too much to, to Liverpool. Go for it. But, um, <laughs> I, honestly, I think I think he is. The only issue is is that he had that one full season and there were times where he would break down physically. So he had a big hamstring issue and then he came back uh, in February time and he'd sometimes struggle to complete games. You see him often going down in games with with cramp, with you know hamstring niggles. So if he was going to play, hopefully, what if Liverpool see it, 60 games in a season or whatever, or 50, 50 55, I think that could be a challenge for him, especially being at the first team. So you probably have to share that with someone. He might have to play 65% of the games and then just share it and, and be like that. Because he's only young, he's still growing, he's still physically developing, and I'm sure Klopp would would probably want to te- test him to his limits physically as well. Something he's probably not had uh, at Southampton as much. Um, so he's obviously in only in his second year, but I think in terms of technical quality and, and tactical understanding, yeah, he's he's more than ready to to go right into that Liverpool midfield. Interesting. Okay, yeah, because like, like you said, the demands on a midfielder in this Liverpool mm. system, we've seen numerous ones, and some of the more durable ones actually not cope with it. You know, so it can be quite testing, and it'd be interesting to see mm. whether Lavia, I suppose, whether we can do it week in week out, or go for Europa League football as well to contend with Thursday, Sunday potentially. Um, and the problem mm. is, from a Liverpool perspective is that his rotational option, if it does happen like we think it looks like it might now, his rotational option will be Pachetic, who's similar age, like very yeah. two young, very young lads there to sort of share the burden. So interesting to see how it pans out. Um, in terms of his ceiling then, you've seen a lot of him. You clearly feel like he's a very, very talented individual. In terms of his ceiling, sort of what are we talking about? How far do you expect this young lad to go? I spoke to a few Samson supporters and, and people at the club and they say they haven't seen a, a player like him since, since Gareth Bale at the club when he broke through. I think he's probably going to be at one of those elite clubs, of course. You've got to preach caution at times, but I think if he was that good in the Slampton team, which was that bad, um, I, I can only imagine you know how good he, and how high a ceiling will be when everything suits him and he's not having to do as much work as he was at that Slampton team. A lot of the time it was him and James Ward-Prowse just running after everything and every, everyone else going anywhere they want. So um, I, I think he'll he'll be even better um, at, at a 
more functional club. And yeah, I think he can for sure play in that top four uh, and challenge for those top honours. I, I do think that. And I think he's been earmarked to do that since he was a kid, really. Um, the fact that Slamton have managed to get him for a year and, and almost and a hire him for a year, rent him out for a year, was I think it's going to be a privilege for them. And they'll look back on that in a few years' time as a, as a real coup. Cheers to Jacob, cheers to Dan for that one. Yeah, more Dan Club time. It's Arno van den Abiel with Dan. Now, Arno used to coach Lavia at the Belgian youth side. He also coached him at Anderlecht as well. He knows a lot about Lavia and his development, the type of player he is, the type of character he is. So Dan got on the phone with Arno and here's what he had to say. The game you coached him for for the under-15 Belgium team was against Switzerland, is that right? And he played as a right-back in that game. He's obviously moved on to be a midfielder now. And he actually scored in the game as well. Belgium won 2-0. What, was he always a right-back when he was younger? Was that the position he played? Did he, did he always no, but, play there? But I don't know where you got that information, but he didn't play as a right-back. Okay. He played as a, as a right-centre-back. I played okay. him as a right-centre-back. So we played in a back four. And he was the right centre back because at that time he played in Underlecht already in the under 16 group and he was playing um, alternating, he was playing in the back, in a back three, in a back four, but he was also playing in midfield on the number six position. Uh, but we had in that group of under 15 a lot of good midfielders. And in Switzerland, there were, I had an agreement with Underlecht at that time that he would play the first game because he had to go back to play youth league with under 17 as an under 15 player. So I had to fit him in the team somewhere. Uh, I made him captain, I think I remember. Mm -hmm. And I played him in the back because we, yeah, we at that time in under 15 and we still do it. We, we like to play out from the back and he had, yeah, incredible skills to play out from the back. Um, for him, it was almost too easy in under 15. Um, so that's why he played in the in the back. He did it in the club sometimes, but you already saw that he would grow to in a more higher position on the field. Uh, but at that age, when they are 14, 15, yeah, it's, if you already focus on one position, you have to develop them a bit more in uh, in different ways so that they can learn and uh, that they can uh, yeah use things like defensive uh, that they can develop defensive skills as a defender that they can uh, develop offensive skills like, for example, as an offensive midfielder sometimes. Uh, yeah, definitely. that's why I that's why I played him in the back. I didn't know I don't know if I responded to your question. No, you well, did, but, you absolutely did. They yeah, absolutely did, yeah. And you I had another uh, interview this morning with uh, uh, another paper of Liverpool and they also mentioned me that he scored in that game, but I can't remember the goal, but uh, now I will look it up. I will look it up, and uh, if I find the clip, I will send it to you as well. Yeah, perfect, good man. Yeah, it, do, it does say that he scored. It's transfer marked that I got the information from. They say he played as a right back in a four-three-three, and you mm -hmm. had like Mario Struikens in midfield and people like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he played alongside the key um, Lantaki, people like that um, in the yeah, defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sure he played in the central position. I think the right back at that time was maybe Moreno. He's on here, but he's actually down as the centre back on here. Okay. Yeah. But listen, yeah. you were the manager, so you'll you, yeah. you, <laughs> you, I'll look you, it up. Uh, yeah. I don't quite remember. It's been a long time, so. Oh, I'll yeah. Look it up. 
It's up to you, I guess, where they played. So yeah, I believe you as opposed to this website. Let's put it that way. And um, obviously, having having worked with Romeo so young, you you'll have had one eye on how he's progressed from there. Obviously, through the Anderlecht Academy and then Manchester City, and now potentially to Liverpool as well. Have you been pleased with his development? Have you been a bit proud of seeing him grow as a player? And have you always kind of expected that he would move on to bigger things? Yeah, of course you're uh, you're proud. Of course you, yeah, you're happy for him eh? because it's his career and he has the dream to become a top player. So yeah, he's he's. I think he's on the right steps. Can you can you predict this? No, I I don't think you can predict this. And has he has he does he has chosen the the most easy pathway? I I don't think so as well because. Yeah, the easy part would have been to stay at Anderlecht, to play in the first team in the, when he was 16 years old and uh, made made, made, the right, made this step like Lukaku did or like company did. But he chose the, the hard path and he he stepped in quite young, at a young age, to, to move to England, to move to City. And yeah, then yeah, then it can, can go two ways or you or you have a success or you fail. Um, and yeah, I think he did quite well, and that that makes me proud. I think he's very impatient at sometimes. You see, he left City earlier as well as uh, as well as well. So yeah, I I think he has something in his head, and he wants to go for it. That that's how he is, and um, yeah, he, he's doing quite well, I must say. So. He chose the hard part, but he's getting where he has to be and where he wants to be. So, yeah, yeah, all credits to him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He certainly feels like he's driven. A couple of people have mentioned to me now he's in like a hurry. He knows where he wants to be mm-hmm. and he's desperate to get there. And hopefully that is Liverpool. Um, you mentioned there sort of how driven he is and how focused he is and how determined he is to, to be a success. And he knows, like I say, he knows what he wants to do in the game. Do you tip him from what you know of him and what you've seen of him as a youngster? Do you tip him to be a success and to sort of... A move to Liverpool is a big move. And I know he's at Manchester City's academy, but the pressure at Liverpool and sort of what is expected of you in the Liverpool side is huge under Jurgen Klopp, of course. But from what you know of Romeo, do you do you back him to sort of take it in his stride and be a success? Yeah, I think he will do everything to to be successful there. So... Fail, failing is not an option for him. So if he if he gets difficulties on his part, he will he will conquer them and he will try to try to prove everybody wrong. So if he gets the right support, because he's still a very young player, so if he gets the right support and if people are a bit patient with him, which is difficult in a club like Liverpool, but if it's if it's all in the right picture, I think he will be very successful uh, at the club uh, or at any club he will go to. Uh. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. 
So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Thanks very much to Arnold for joining us there. Yes, one more chance for you guys to listen to the dulcet tones of Dan Club here coming up. It's the deep dive with Chris away for the day. Dan stepped in to host Josh Williams and they spoke all about Liverpool's defensive midfield, the options including Lavia. What do they need to do? What are they going to do? What Who are they going to sign? Who should they be signing? All that good stuff. So yeah, check out this week's clip from the deep dive. Clearly, for one reason or another, this is a play Liverpool really like. This is a play Liverpool really want. Pep Linders, Jürgen Klopp, Jörg Schmadke, all of the above want Mami Lavia to be at the football club. Now, for me personally, after this millions of times on different shows, the Lavia deal has made sense pretty much since day one in terms of getting him in, but it made sense in terms of getting him in as an understudy to a Fabinho before mm. we knew or felt like Fabinho was going to leave. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the goalposts have slightly shifted that because as things stand, Mami Lavia will be coming in likely as the six. So, discuss. <laughs> um, no, I think I generally agree with you. Um, I think people are forgetting his age as well, you know, like, I know he's got a full season behind him in the Premier League, which, you know, fair play to him. And he did shine as one of the better players for Southampton and things like that. But, everything that people are saying about Bersetic pretty much applies to Lavia. I think the difference between the two of them, I think, is nine months. Yeah, you wouldn't think that based on what people are saying. We're paying fifty million for him. Don't forget, mm-hmm. um, Harvey Elliott is is older than, than Romeo Lavia is, and, and everyone's convinced Elliott should not be a starter this season, yeah. for example. Um, so yeah, I I think Lavia is. I'm a bit conscious. Anyone who like watches my content regularly or whatever, I'm a bit conscious that I've looked a bit too cold on him. I think yeah. I'm not that cold on him. I just, I just, um, I would be a bit uncomfortable if he's coming in as a starter for Liverpool just go you know what I mean that's yeah. a bit of a gamble that like no I think that's fair enough and I think it's, it's fair enough for lots of different reasons like you touched upon there his age is definitely a factor in this we have had in Fabinho listen I'm very well aware of how bad he was last season how miles off he was last season but in seasons gone by he's been one of the best if not the best in the world at that role um, although it was slightly different obviously in a more conventional 4-3-3 so I suppose the next question is you touched upon it earlier in terms of if Lavia is in this system and in that role, you're more comfortable with him. Why exactly is that? I think just for the start, his first season in the Premier League, that's what he was accustomed to. Mm-hmm. He, he played as part of a two-all season for Southampton. 
Um, his partners varied, like Ward Prowse and things like that at times, but he's still used to playing as part of a two. Um, if you're playing as as a one, at times you're just managing more space generally. Like mm -hmm. it's just a lot more of a demanding role. Like we got Fabinho in from Monaco at the time. I think he was like peak age, wasn't he? Like twenty five or something like yeah, that yeah. when we got him in. And he came from part of a two, and it took him about. I think I don't think he played until like late October, mm -hmm. start of November, yeah, right. and that's Fabinho. You know, an established elite player who's like international level, and mm -hmm. um, I think he just won League One with Monaco. And yeah. this is a nineteen-year-old who's who's coming in, and he'd have to play as a lone player when Liverpool when Liverpool press is beaten, and then when we when we pick up the ball and when we secure, he'd have to he'd have to be making these inverted uh, these sideways movements to accommodate mm -hmm. Trent and stuff. So I'm just a bit conscious that you're asking a bit. Of, you're asking quite a lot of them. When I think of these lone players. Who, who can do it on their own I picture like someone who's really physical fair bit of experience um, quick across the ground can mm -hmm. manage these spaces without support almost a uh, good reader of the game and things mm -hmm. like that and I, I think of like a, a rights to be honest a Casado yeah. Rodri yeah. Uh, Boost gets made up for the uh, mobility issue just because of how intelligent he was as a yeah. player um, whereas Lavia, I don't overly see him as a, a true holding player who stays and just extinguishes fires that are around him and just never sweats. And You know what I mean? I see him as a bit more of a I want to go and get the ball mm -hmm. type player. And yeah. if, you, if he's doing that there, like I said this with Stadia of the Week, one of the, there's this common um, misconception surrounding Golo Kante throughout his career mainly at Chelsea, obviously, where he was viewed as a, as a DM, a defensive midfielder or whatever, whatever your own interpretation of a defensive midfielder is. Mm -hmm. And that's because he wins the ball a lot, mm -hmm. goes and wins the ball a lot. But the only manager to actually play Kante there on his own was Frank Lampard. Mm -hmm. And Frank Lampard knows more about football than me, but... Careful. His, his managerial <laughs> career so far is not... The best. No, um, that's fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> put it put it mildly. Yeah, go on. And yeah. if you're putting Kansi there, the the hunter, you, you've got a huge space yeah. there that might need to be occupied by someone who's a bit more of a holder, like yeah. Matic, who was playing next to him mm -hmm. when um, Conte was yeah, in charge and he won the league and that. Yeah, yeah, so it's a very specific profile. Isn't mm. a lot of it. The, if the Fabinho goes for me, we need to. To get the lad who holds yeah. Lavia could become that I suppose he's only 19 mm. but if we if Fabinho and Henderson both go I would have thought we'd get Lavia and more of a holder more of a I, I will stay you going you know what I mean okay. well we'll come on to those in a minute but before we do I know you've got some stuff you want to talk about with Lavia some, some stats and stuff but also I suppose what I want to ask more than anything is I touched upon it earlier like the, the, clearly Liverpool feel like they want this lad Clearly, Liverpool have identified him. They've been sort of circling around this potential signing for some time now. So, mm. you've touched on some of the positives there, but what exactly is it? What is it that makes him <laughs> so highly regarded? Why did he come through the Man City Academy, to, for instance? Why Why does Pep Guardiola still praise him? Why, do, why does Jurgen Klopp want him, I guess? what What is it about him that makes him, if there is anything, feel free to tell me there isn't, <laughs> but what is it about him that makes Arsenal be interested in him now? Chelsea, you mentioned Moises Caicedo there. They might go for Caicedo instead, but they are interested. So, what is it about that makes him so sought after yeah I think there's a few things um, I think if you watch him anyone who watches him you can see quite quickly that he's got he's got like the raw materials I call it that in, in terms of like he can become 
something that's that's really really good. Really, if he gets anywhere near his super potential and things mm-hmm. like that, like he's naturally energetic, athletic, mobile, gets across the pitch just fine and things like that. He's quite proactive in the way in which he goes and hunts the ball and regains it for you. Um, he's quite modern when he's on in possession of the ball. Like he, he's he's not uncomfortable when he's under pressure. He can receive the ball when when there's a man coming from behind. Mm. Um, he can get out of them tricky situations, receive the ball um, under pressure, and, and get out. And that's and, one and just like to that. touch on that. It's one thing I think Trent in the preseason games especially struggled with mm. in the six. There's a couple of moments. And to be fair, one of them especially was more advanced. He found himself sort of up here. And he wasn't playing in the high, he was playing in the six. He found himself up there. And there was a moment whereby, I think it might have been Salah, give it to him. And instantaneously, there was a press up his back and he lost the possession straight away. Yeah. And it's harsh because you shouldn't. But straight away, you think, you can tell he's not done it a lot. You yeah. know what I mean? Straight yeah. away, you can tell whether someone like Alavio, used to play in the midfield, used to play with more bodies around him and quicker speed of thought, back to goal, that type of thing, is more used to it. Whereas Trent has spent his entire career as a right-back occasionally doing this now with a game in front of him yeah, the minute yeah. the game wasn't in front of him someone nicked the ball off him straight away and that yeah. was a bit of a not a red flag that's too far but it did make me think and people around me think okay maybe he can't be mm. this midfielder that people have earmarked him as yeah well it's it's similar with this role as well when it comes to Henderson I think this this role you're naturally going to be receiving the ball in really confined spaces and mm. you're naturally going to be under pressure by a back four that's, that's here or whatever mm. and I think Henderson did it to an okay level but getting in someone like Soboslai to do it, and McAllister over here, and mm. Curtis Jones over there as well, they are just much more comfortable doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think it's more of a an increasingly modern trait, I think, because mm. I think pressing as a defensive mechanism is, is is much more common now compared to when I was watching football as a kid. Yeah, when I was watching football as a kid, if you if you lost the ball, it was panic stations, get back in your block and mm. stand there until you regain the ball again. Yeah. And I think nowadays. There's, every team wants to press it's the new, it's the new buzzword isn't it and yeah. to have players who are press resistance and can get out of that, them situations and stay cool and composed mm. uh, it's an attractive quality and I think Lavi's got it on top of that as well I think I don't want to go too heavy on this but I, th- I think I'd go as far as saying I don't even think Liverpool would be going for him if he wasn't homegrown I think really? that, that yeah I think that's a massive massive thing with this signing in particular and that's why Liverpool are paying 50 million for him yeah. that, which is a huge amount if you think about it now, this summer, Milner, Ox, Henderson, all gone, mm-hmm. all homegrown. Yep. Joe Gomez, who knows where he's going to go eventually, or if he's going to stay or whatever. Mm-hmm. Kelleher, Nat Phillips, Fabio Carvalho. Liverpool have a bit of a homegrown dilemma that's kind of bubbling yep. behind the scenes. And on top of that, we have a midfield that is under regeneration, and everyone's getting off who's been there in the past. So you need a midfielder and you need a homegrown midfielder, ideally. Mm-hmm. And Lavia is someone who would come in because of his age. I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm saying that you, you wouldn't have to register him. That's right, yeah, you don't. But when you would have to register him, he's a homegrown player. Because he came so, through the City Academy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's something that you generally always see. Any homegrown player tends to go for more. It's just the way it goes. Ben mm-hmm. White went for 50, you know, the, whether he was worth that or not is, is another question. Um, but it's just the way things tend to go. Conor Gallagher is going for like 40 or something like that. Yeah. Um, There's definitely some added yeah. value on the Chelsea got a lot of money for their kind of academy graduates. Yeah. Trevor Chella was on, meant, meant to be on a move at the minute. Yeah. So I think the fact that Lavia, I think if, if Lavia wasn't homegrown, I think there's players who are 
maybe more ready for Liverpool now. Okay. But because Lavi is homegrown, he climbs above some of them yeah, on the list, I think. I think that's fair enough, I really do. Um, before we move on, I want to touch on something in a minute in terms of you mentioned a second ago about sort of getting Lavia plus a frontline potential six option. I want to touch on that, but have you got any numbers about Lavia or anything you want to touch on there, dribble wise and stuff like that? I know you have. <laughs> yeah. Of course you have. You won't come without. Yeah, well, this, this is what's interesting because all of the stuff I've said about Lavia, it's. It's because I'm used to looking at Liverpool signings, Liverpool transfer links or whatever, checking the numbers and immediately seeing where the lad shines. He's usually an outlier in something. Mm-hmm. Lavia, if you look at him, is okay, <laughs> but he's not He's not grabbing the spotlight, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll show you the, the graphic now. So this is the first one. This is um, Scatterplot, as you can see. And on one axis, we've got tackles and interceptions per 90. And on the other axis, we've got successful dribbles per 90. And I've picked them too because they are, if you watch a compilation of them, mm. he looks like a ball winner and he looks like a dribbler. Yeah. So there is two most prominent areas, if you like. Um, this is midfielders only, like you're seeing. Premier League last season and everyone there has played a minimum of 900 minutes. And there's, there's some forwards in there. I could yeah. have been, I could have spent hours getting them out, but I, was just, I just left them in there for the sake of it. If you if you can't see Lavia, he's kind of about four interceptions and tackles per ninety, and about one and a bit dribbles per ninety. Around Rodrigo Bensonke, Declan Rice, the lad who's kind of overlapping Lavia there mm. is James Milner. Okay. Um, now, what I'm trying to get at here is that is kind of Lavia's that that that's where Lavia shines the most. Mm. And even still, he's kind of not really. I mean, you got Conor Gallagher, you got Joe Linton. It's not Thiago. a steam company, is it? N- not really. I mean, it's it's not bad. Don't get me wrong. I mean, the, the lad's nineteen. Yeah, he yeah, played yeah. for the worst team in the league. Yeah. So he would probably receive some sort of boost across his numbers in some capacity if he played for Liverpool compared to Southampton. But just looking at kind of the numbers that he posts. It's not like leap out the page, obvious. Like, say, for example, a couple of months back, I recorded a show on Ugarte. Mm-hmm. His ball-winning numbers, which you have to be careful with, obviously, because just defensive numbers generally aren't really particularly reliable. But mm-hmm. Ugarte's ball-winning numbers were off the scale. Mm-hmm. Palinia's ball-winning numbers are off the scale in Premier League teams. I think he finished top of the league. Casemiro yeah. was right up there. Lavi is painted as a ball-winner, but he wins the ball less than... Jack Colbach, per 90. So it's not... <laughs> I don't want to see... No, it's fair, but it's just, what I mean? numbers are numbers, aren't they, at the yeah, end of the day? Yeah. But do you think then? Do you think... But these contacts lacking there, obviously. Yeah. I'm just comparing them to what I would usually see. I'd usually look at them and go, OK, I see it, yeah. Makes so sense. I, I can see that, yeah. This doesn't make as much sense. And if, if you look at his, um, his stats bomb radar, now bear in mind, bear with me on this one. Go on. So we don't need to provide too much analysis on this one because it's it's quite detailed for someone who's just seen it for the first time probably but what that is is that that's Lavia compared to his midfield peers I think in the Premier League only based on the season just gone for like fouls won successful dribbles deep progressions passing accuracy and all that stuff and as you can see in in no department is he like top top bracket. He, mm-hmm. he wins a lot of fouls, for example, compared to 
uh, his midfield peers because he's kind of close to the outer, mm-hmm. the outer of the circle there. Um, turnovers and keeping the ball. But other than that, say for example, pressure regains, he's not particularly looking like a pressing monster really or anything like that. Obviously not a, a, assisting goals and things we expect that that's normal. Um, possession adjusted interceptions, you'd maybe expect it to be a little bit higher, but this is kind of what I'm painting in terms of like as a data thing, <laughs> he's not like uh, leaping off the page, but that doesn't mean he, he can't, and that doesn't mean he won't or anything like that. That's mm. just seeing what he's done so far and asking questions about it. No, I think that's absolutely fair enough. Yeah, do you think then? Do you think perhaps Liverpool? You mentioned you touched on it as you were talking about sort of Southampton not being you know particularly fluent in possession and not mm. keeping the ball loads because as you mentioned, they were one of the worst teams in the Premier League last season. They got beat most weeks. So do you think maybe Liverpool have identified him and sort of said, well, in a side that has more of the ball? that dominates more football matches, we know we'll extrapolate this, this and this out of him. Do you think that's the approach we're going with? Because you're the data guy, but I know how data-driven Liverpool are. So clearly there must be something in it, something they've, they've seen in him that suggests that what he does have, when transformed into a side that, like I say, is a better football team, quite frankly, he'll be able to excel at that point. Yeah, well, that's that's generally what the, the, the idea of the whole data analysis is, really. The idea is you you pick up on these players who are posting decent numbers for a, a, a team beneath Liverpool in the, in the football and food chain mm-hmm. and you look at them and kind of assess, and I can't do this, this is above my pay grade, this, but that you kind of assess and forecast what That's their output will look yeah. like in a Liverpool unit and it should naturally receive a boost. Jota is a very good example of that. Um, Nunes is another good example, which, yeah, for example, last season... Sorry, in his final season for Benfica, Nunes was averaging about 3.7 shots per 90 for Benfica. You put him in Liverpool in his first season, he's averaging 4.5 shots. So you put him in a better attacking team, he's now getting more chances. Mm-hmm. Shock. You know yeah. what I mean? So if you, if you put Lavi in a better organised team, maybe in give, give him situations that he'll be able to anticipate more because the team's better, mm-hmm. things like that. Maybe he'll regain the ball more for you and, and things like that. So it's mm-hmm. it's all about just kind of forecasting like what putting him in Liverpool yeah. will do to his own performances and, and Liverpool's performances. Right, that is enough, Dan Club. Even I'm a bit fed up of hearing him now, if truth be told. That's, ple- that's too much, Dan. Maybe he's been on literally every single clip so far. So for the last one, I'm cutting him out and I'm giving you the dulcet tones of me instead. Yes, it was Jano Inside Time with me hosting the amazing Neil Jones as ever. And surprise, surprise, the hot topic was Romeo Lavia. How does he fit into Liverpool? How's this deal come about? All that kind of stuff. So yeah, here is a clip of this week's Jano Insight. Let's talk about a potential incoming then. So I enjoyed the Discord question from Jono yeah, to start this one off. It was where for Arthur <laughs> Romeo, which is brilliant. So yeah, David Ornstein's reporting uh, yesterday afternoon was that Liverpool are set to return with an improved offer, improved offer from Rio Lavia. Southampton rejected one that was approximately £37 million, as they're seeking approximately £50 million. There's a high chance this deal gets done, although Chelsea retain firm interest. To clarify, that was David Ornstein and James Pearce's joint reporting there. Yeah. I think by all accounts, now everyone's got wind of what's going on here. Um, Liverpool went Southampton, got told no, they're going to come back. Um, we've, we've spoken a while about Lavia, Neil. His name cropped up a few months ago, really, and... and I think the 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 main talk was yeah good player good young player 
the fee might be a bit too high. It feels like Liverpool are going to have to get somewhere close. They might not get to 50, yeah. but they're going to have to certainly going to go into the 40s. Yeah. So, if A, they must really like him. Like, really, really like him. Because I, I was always thinking for a while, did they sign Lavia and he's like a bit of a development project, but if you're spending 40 million quid on someone, he, he could still be that, but they, they might like him perhaps more than we even thought he did, if that makes sense. Yeah, possibly. Or, I mean... The other thing is the, the, the landscape shifted, hasn't it? So they need they need a player, yeah, but that's a bit more. So maybe there yeah. is a, an element of look, don't stop sort of nitpicking over three or four million. Just just pay it, you know. Yeah. I, I also think again to go to back to James's question about about Declan Rice Moises Casado. This is a player with a big upside, isn't he? You know, he, he's nineteen, so you know you could sort of make a case that even if he's underwhelming, you're still probably going to get a, a fair chunk of that back if you were to sell him in. Two years' time, you know, you know, something'd have to go terribly wrong for him to be completely worthless in in that period. I don't think his wages will be massive, you know, in in terms of a midfield. He won't he won't be in the same ballpark as Fabinho, Declan Rice, Caicedo. You know, he won't be earning that much money. So the the finance the financials are a little bit more sort of workable around this. I think I think the interesting point, and we we talked about it on the show recently, didn't we? We talked about. There were so many names that were sort of stacked up, and it was like, well, what, who, who's the name you'd go for? And I think the way the one the question I had with Lavia is, if he's the one that you think can become Fabinho's successor, do it now. You know, do it, do it now then, because you know that's that's how you know if he can swim. So I think it's interesting that Liverpool have gone down this route. Clearly, they've they've settled on that, and there might be. An element of they've looked around what else there is and thought, well, you know, what, what Calvin Phillips, we're not going to do that. Maybe they've decided, look, let's it's a bit of a gamble, we'll roll the dice on, on this young lad. Or, like you say, it might just be that no, he was he's he's the one that we absolutely we just think he's he's brilliant. Um, be interesting to see. I think they'll, they'll end up around what I think you're going to be looking at mid 40s in a, in a deal. I don't think it'll be. I'm sure Southampton will be worked down a little bit from 50 and Liverpool will work a little bit up from 40 and we'll we'll see them meet in the middle. I suppose the, the, the question, the last words of, of David Ornstein's tweet is Chelsea retain firm interest, so it just remains to be seen whether they, they turn that into something else. But it sounds pretty positive from a Liverpool perspective. I think there was reports that he, Lavia himself, had given the sort of the OK that he wants to join Liverpool. He played the other night, didn't he? he played forty-five minutes for Southampton. He played Bournemouth. Um, so I mean, that's another bonus, by the way. I know, I know, I got a couple of texts of people saying, what, "What's he doing playing?" But good, actually, isn't it? You know, it means he's it means he's fit, and it means he's sort of he's got some rhythm behind him. It's not a case of coming in, you know. For example, Fabinho. Okay, he's going to Saudi, so it might not be as pronounced, but he's going there with you know couple of weeks missed of his pre-season isn't he you know maybe a bit of catching up to do fitness wise Lavia looks like he's in the rhythm at least so it's a uh, yeah it looks it looks pretty positive on this this front and I'm now fascinated to see what Liverpool do and you know and listen there's a question there isn't it I think it's probably worth answering this question from Ashley yeah if the Lavia deal goes ahead what do you think would be the next priority a senior central defensive midfield type or a, or a centre-back that's that's the big question now for Liverpool isn't it I I think a midfielder personally. I, I think just a little bit more security around that that area. There's another there's another position you could put in there as a right back, isn't it? Yeah, it could, it could be a right back. Yeah, you know the, the Liverpool looked at too and say, well, Alexander Arnold's going in there and he's done quite well. I think in the two friendlies I've seen, you know, he, he's not 
a perfect number six. He's not, you know, he's clearly got things to learn, and he's got weaknesses that that maybe would would, would show up. But he's done all right, and he's 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 not a bad footballer to have in there, is he? So if that is the the next step that Liverpool do and say actually Alexander Arnold and Lavia, two two deep midfielders, and then we work around it. It could be a right back that they look at. It could be a right sided centre back. It could be a it could be a left sided centre back. I personally would go for a midfielder that's a little bit a reliable, experienced midfielder that you think you're happy to have him start Premier League games. You, you, you can dip him in and out. You can maybe you know use him on his own, or you can use him in a two. So it might not be necessarily a, a number six specialist, but it might be someone who can play there. So I would probably still stick with the midfield because I think that's going to be the area that is going to is going to have the biggest biggest um, influence on Liverpool this season yeah I agree I'd actually go, I'd, yeah, I'd, maybe I'd, go for both well, I'd like, yeah 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 I'd like I would, and, and I understand the centre back issue and I think probably there's been alarm bells rung with probably the, the certainly the greater fourth game on, on Monday I think there was a lot of alarm bells around Matip, wasn't there? Yes. And, and Joe Gomez potentially I mean I actually thought Gomez played alright he was at, at right, right back, back. As well. yeah <laughs> but the fact that he's at right back does that does that tell you something yep. about where he's at? Um, so I understand that 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 concern around him. Uh, and Canate looked pretty good in the in the two games I've seen. Virgil, Virgil's Virgil, Virgil going Virgil. Um, but yeah, I can see I can see why there'd be that 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 sort of potential light shone on on a centre back. But I would still I'd still be looking at you're losing five midfielders from your squad this summer, aren't you? Potentially with Fabinho, Fabinho, Cater, Ox. Milner, Henderson, yeah, five midfielders, potentially Thiago. I'd still be looking at, at filling that space with, with one more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sasha Tavieri, Belgian journalist, by the way, we had him on the show the other day after the after Yeah, the he, yeah he, he, and he's, he's a good guy. Sasha, he's reported this morning Liverpool have actually made that second bid now. £45 million deal up with bo- up to, in, rather, with bonuses included. The work is now ongoing to find the right structure with talks ensure, to ensure that bonuses are achievable. So instalments are now being discussed. Southampton expected to get the deal done in the next few days. Um, the players just waiting to go so he can join up with Liverpool in Singapore. Matter of time. So that's the the, the latest on it. And it, it, it does feel like, I don't know, it, I, I'm with you. I, I wonder if Liverpool liked them, but they've been given a hurry up because of the Fabinho Henderson yeah. thing. If, 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 again, necessity you know, and, and things like that. And also, I'm, I'm fascinated because I'm with you. I, I would feel a bit more comfortable with a more senior defensive midfielder in the team Neil. but Jürgen Schoen he'll, he'll put faith in young players yeah. he, Trent Alexander-Arnold played every game pretty much as soon as he was in the team Harvey Elliott was in Liverpool's 11 the day he came back from Blackburn he, until he got yeah. a horrendous injury by Chetich well, done the same things he, he's happy to do it, it again we're sitting here thinking it's going to be Lavia and someone else that someone else might be by Chetich and he might just go yeah. listen I've got two young 19 year old lads who have both got Issues of playing like loads of games on the run, but if we, if we go half the half with both of them, I'm completely fine with that. That yeah. that is potentially on the table here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. The, the look, I think the worry everyone rightly has connected with Liverpool is when it goes well, that's fine. But what two of the last three seasons, Liverpool have taken a gamble of that ilk. They took a gamble in the pandemic season by having only three specialist centre backs to let Day and Lovren go, and he didn't replace him. And they 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 went, we'll have three centre backs and we'll have um, Fabinho as a, as a fourth. And lo and behold, all of them were injured last summer. They didn't get Chiumani, and they said, no, well, we can get through. And and if it goes well, 
no one says a word. Everyone goes brilliant. What a season Cater had. What oh, like Chamberlain, you know, fifteen goals from midfield. You know that that that's fine, but the weight of evidence is is that it's more likely to go wrong than it is to go right, or, yeah. or, or that Liverpool are as likely to find themselves in the. So it that's, that's all well and good to say, yeah, we'll trust these two nineteen-year-olds, but there's there's absolutely a question mark over there's a question mark over both of them. They've played fifty fifty odd games between them in their career. There's, a, there's, there's at least a question mark over how consistent they can be, and yeah. there's probably a question mark about how good they actually are going to be because we don't, we haven't got a, a, a greater body of evidence yet. We haven't seen them play in that position where, you know, in Lavia's case, we haven't seen them where it's like right. You know, you've drawn a home game, you can't do that. You know, now the pressure's on you. You, you gave it, you gave the ball. Look, he gave it, he gave a ball away on the last day of the season. This doesn't matter. They've, they're relegated, and it doesn't, you know. It was a bit of fun that last game. Give a ball away in his own penalty area. If he does that at Liverpool, then the pressure comes, and then all of a sudden, do you see? You, know, you find out a little bit about his character. Does he? Does he go into his shell? Does he? Does he try that anymore? Does he become? A, you know, he hasn't answered those questions yet. He's still got to, and that's that's fine. You know, there's there's a good chance that he answers them emphatically and becomes a, a fine player. He looks like he's got the talent to do that. By Chet, it's the same. You know, for all of the, for all that there was huge promise and I'm, I'm I'm one of his biggest champions and have been his biggest champions he came into a side where it couldn't get much worse and so there's a there's a general sort of upbeat feeling about yeah. him because oh well he's, he's not what we've been seeing in the last few weeks but it's been terrible now when he's there's a bit of expectation on how does he cope you know is it do people start suddenly going well yeah he's okay but he's not quite ready yet you know he's going to have ups and downs he's might he's recovering from an injury so I understand if it, if it all if everything goes perfectly according to plan, Liverpool could have two absolute gems in their midfield and two nineteen-year-olds, and you go, "Wow, the future is, is in good hands." Absolutely fine, but you have to have that nagging nagging doubt in your mind where you say we could end up in the same position as last yeah. year, where you know all the, all the options or too many of the options look imperfect or they're injured, or we could be in that position where you know. We should have done one more. We should. We should have just. We should have actually got one more centre back, one more defensive midfielder in. I. That's why I would be on the on the, the camp of get another one in and sandbag a little bit. And you know, even if it's a player that you don't think is world class, you don't think he's going to be the best player in the team. You don't even think he's going to be a, a guaranteed starter. Get him in so that in certain games you can you can play him. If if there's an injury, you can put him in. And you know what you're going to get from him. That would be my preference for Liverpool in the next uh, few weeks. And listen, that's just that's just me giving an opinion. It's, yeah, easy, yeah. it's easy for me to sit and say, "Get another one in." Who? Um, but that would be what I would I would expect or want Liverpool to do. It does feel like going back to the Lavia deal in itself, rather than what I mean. It does feel like this is one that's probably going to get done. You would think yeah, it, it feels I, like all signs are pointing towards that as well. Liverpool, Liverpool don't tend to make bids for players that that, that they don't feel like they're going to get. You know, we we've had a lot of players on this show talked about interest, and and but Liverpool didn't make moves for them. We, we didn't hear Mason Mount bids, did we? Or Kevin Turam, or you know these other players, Ryan Gravenberg. We heard about talks and potential interest. This is a, these these are offers. You know that suggests Liverpool think that there's a good chance that a the player is going to come and b that Southampton are going to sell. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it could be one that moves pretty quickly. Like I say, the the fact that they're flying out to Singapore is probably another reason. I'm guessing. Everyone involved with one of us, as, as much of that talk oh, as you can look, get them. I mean, look, 
it's just over two weeks till the Premier League season starts. I mean, a great, great story there. There's Chelsea the first game, isn't it? Potentially, you know, that... that <laughs> I don't want to think about the idea that he might line up against Liverpool on the first day, but the... Um, the, the clock's ticking, you know. They, they need, they need, they need to have their squad in in, in order as quickly as they can. And yeah, the, the Singapore tour, obviously. Um, I, I remember. I, I can think of some players who've sort of flown into tours. I think Shakiri was one. I remember him turning up. I actually remember him actually arriving at the hotel in um, in East Rutherford and being mobbed. I can remember who was the player in Singapore. Was it Jabby Alonso, possibly? Um, in the past, so yeah, there's I, I, he would get a good introduction to life at Liverpool if he was to fly over mid tour and, and and experience that you know mania of of Liverpool fans in the Far East. That would that might be a nice little um nice little introduction for him. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on the lavish stuff. Like I say, I'm sure more will develop oh, as, yeah. as soon as it does, and I imagine it'll be pretty quickly as well. So we've got you covered yet. Right then, thanks very much to Neil for joining us for that one. And thanks very much for you guys for listening to this episode of Red Men Weekly. Like I did say at the top of the show, if you want to check out these entire shows, even in video or podcast forms, redmenplus.com. Go and sign up, go and subscribe, go and support everything we do here at Red Men HQ. It allows us to bring all these free shows to you as well and get you some amazing Liverpool content. That was all, that wasn't even everything we put on Red Men Plus this weekend. That's already the amount of content you'll get each and every week. So yeah, really, really encourage you guys to get over there and support us as well. And by the way, if you haven't noticed already, if you go to redmenmerch.com, our latest book, Bobby Firmino, The Best in the World, is now available for you guys to buy. It's made, it's signed, it's created, it's all there, it's done, it's ready to go. So yeah, go and get yourselves an amazing piece of Liverpool memorabilia, looking back on the career of an app, Absolute Liverpool superstar, Roberto Firmino. So yeah, redmenmates.com for that one. Redmenplus.com for all your content needs. We'll be back with another Redmen Weekly next week. See you in a bit. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.